I want to start with something funny. And I heard about this man who was walking up to the country store. And there was a little boy sitting on the front porch with a huge dog next to him. And he says, son, does your dog bite? The boy says, no, sir, my dog doesn't bite. The man reached out to pet the dog, but the dog took almost half his arm off. He says, son, I thought you said that your dog didn't bite. The little boy said, that's not my dog. <laughs> it's not my dog. My dog's at home. My dog is a little sweet little dog. Who's got a dog? Oh, quite a number. What about a cat? Is that more or less? Oh, kind of the same, isn't it? Who's got a dog and a cat? <laughs> it's a little bit freaky here, right? There's the front row, the cat and the dog, ladies. It's like, really? Uh, you too, darling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got two cats and one, three cats, sorry, and one dog. And uh, our dog is absolutely sweet, Nala. And, um, and she's absolutely gorgeous. And all the cats are all strays. They all came to us. But it, it trains me how to love the people who are just coming up into your life. And, who, and just that there's no, you know, something in the past. And just, no, but I, I was seriously, I was actually, as you say, shock, I was actually thinking the other day about it. Here are these cats lying on my bed, and I was saying, this is relaxed time. All the cats are laying there. They're all not part of my family. I chose none of them. They all came to my door, or they were made by one of them. Anyway, you know, like a stray thing from a stray cat. And the thing is, though, I thought, this is how God feels about us. I have such a love for this stupid little cat who just walked in and they're grouty and they bite even this one thing. It's so fierce. But he actually loves, he kind of loves me too. But the thing is, I have such a love for this cat. And I thought, that's how God thinks about me. And I thought, wow, that is so amazing. So true, isn't it? Now, last week I had a word from God. I had a word for a person actually in this church on the Friday at the conference because, and I shared this word last Sunday morning in the church because it was quite profound and I really felt it was for all of us or at least some of us in this church. I saw over this person, I saw that, that his life, that's like a house, that he was lifted from a foundation, from one foundation into another foundation in his life. And so God is shifting something in your life that is built on this foundation and he's actually bringing it into a different foundation in your life. Now, last week, I said in the morning service, I felt that morning, God says, you got to tell the whole church because there's a word for the church. It's a word for some of the people here. So I said, great. And I did say it last week. And I said, guys, God is some of us. God is shifting from one foundation to another foundation, from a foundation of some of the things that we've experienced in our life to a foundation of Christ and living our lives on the solid rock foundation because some of us have built our lives other than the foundation of Jesus Christ and so this morning I felt that God told me actually yesterday I changed my message because I was going to do something else and God says no I want you to actually speak into this thing because I know God's going to set some people free because some people some of us maybe all of us maybe some a little bit some a big bit we have to shift somehow or we invite it anyway into a shift from one foundation Onto another. Now, if you're a Christian, of course, our basic foundation is Christ, obviously. But sometimes the way we, 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 we live and sometimes the things and the storms of life, sometimes they are so powerful in our lives that we start to somehow kind of live in that and it becomes our paradigm. And we don't live, live really in the freedom of Christ anymore, the solid rock of foundation, the kind of the love of Christ, the unconditional love of Christ in freedom and joy, but we start to live in something else other than Christ. So that's what I want to talk about today. So God wants to make some adjustments, adjustments. Into, and I'm the first, by the way, 
Because I'm challenged myself, and I love that when it happens, because then I know it's genuine, and I know it's from him. It's actually not from me, and which is absolutely wonderful, because who wants to hit himself, you know? Amen? You're very quiet. Why don't we stand together? We're going to read a story that Jesus told in Matthew 7 about the wise and foolish builders. I want you to speak loud, loud voice, and we're going to say this all together. Here we go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. Everybody say the rock. The rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a big crash. Lord, may you bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A big crash. I love the Passion Translation. It says, the wise man built his house on an unshakable foundation. Come on, everybody say unshakable. unshakable. To build it on an unshakable foundation. When the rain fell and the floods came and the winds started coming, beating up against the house, it stood firm because it was on a strong foundation. Come on, say firm firm God wants this whole year has been being established in Christ he wants us to have a firm stability in Christ a firmness which is really powerful and you can really build your life on that amen, amen. see our lives need to be built on Christ he is the solid rock the unshakable one and only then we will not fall over when the storms of life hit us and they will don't they they will knock us down some of the pain that we experience in life, some of the loss we experience, some of the disappointments and the fears. But God is calling us to build our lives on His solid foundation, Jesus Christ. His words, His promises, His love, His power. It's so powerful. We all know it, but sometimes the storms of life come and sometimes we start to shift a little bit. And sometimes instead of just being here built on the solid rock foundation, our identity being so solid in Christ, we sometimes start to shift a little bit. And I meet people all the time like this. And you wonder where they're coming from and where their foundation is really built on. It can't be built on something else other than Christ himself. I know sometimes, you know, we have, uh, maybe we've got a lot of money and sometimes we trust our money and we think, well, we, you know, it's great. And, and we, we, our foundation becomes kind of that instead of, instead of foundation of Christ, money or a good job or maybe a great, you think you've got a great character. Whatever happens in your life, something is really amazing in your life and you start building your life on that. But I tell you something, when the storms hit, what happens then? I know people in this room who've lost everything. What happens when you lose everything? What happens when somebody betrays you? What about a friend? He walks out or your, or your, or your, or your employer fires you. There's no reason for it. And there's people in this room who've experienced that kind of stuff. What do you do? What if you do if somebody really betrays you? I've had it. It's terrible. It's terrible. But the thing is, though, if we're not living on this strong foundation of Jesus Christ, somehow betrayal, disappointment, anger, all this kind of stuff, suddenly we start to build, kind of we start to muse on this kind of stuff, and sometimes it can become our paradigm. 
And that can be so dangerous in our lives because where will you go? Where will you go if these things happen in your life? Where will you go when you get sick? Where will you go when you lose your husband or your wife? We thought they were going to get healed. but died. Where are you going to go? What about fear? What about you such a fear in your life? Maybe some of the shootings. Some people have such a fear. And instead of the parent, I'm still being Christ. And these things kind of happening in life. But I'm still building my life on Christ. Because in him there's no fear. Still, we somehow go into fear. I know people in this church. And everything's fear now. Because it's not so afraid. And somehow we have allowed ourselves to kind of start building and shaping our minds, our lives, our emotions other than the life of Christ, other than Jesus himself, right? Yeah. Now, I've had an amazing shift. The person that I prayed for, um, it was amazing because he told me uh, the other day, actually this week, he told me, Gideon, that time when you had this vision about me, this, this foundation I had here and the shifting foundation, I had a foundation of fear in my life. And I saw God emotionally, he just changed me from fear to love. And it changed my life. I feel so different. I feel free. Things are happening in my life. Now, last week, amazing example, Becky, of you giving a testimony right here. 10, 15 years. So in this place of unforgiveness. The pain of her life, the husband, all kinds of stuff happened to her. Couldn't get out of it. And then one morning throughout the conference at, at, at Grace and Glory, the next morning she woke up. I can forgive this man. And I just checked with her. She still has. It still is. And freedom has come to her life. Not only freedom has come to her life, it's come to her household. Because when you start building other than Christ, you can be living in this unforgiveness, and so many do. So many in the world do. You know, Christian, non-Christian, it doesn't matter. And you live in this unforgiveness, and everything starts to become this paradigm of unforgiveness. And it's just terrible. It's a terrible life. You lose your joy, you lose your peace. It's awful. And you live in this prison. And you imprison yourself. Actually, in some ways, nobody else cares, except for your family, maybe. So, just terrible. The way you behave and the way you do all stuff. Because you're stuck, and some people can't forgive. You're stuck. But I tell you, if we start, when we start building on Christ, it's amazing how Christ and his perfect love, his power, can actually start setting us free. And you can to a point like this. And you can forgive your enemies and the ones who abused you. I have to forgive the one who abused me. It just happens. It may take years. But God can lead you to this place. Amen? So he wants to lift us out of the old foundations that we have. And we all have stuff. All the stuff that comes into our lives. And, and then God wants to change our lives. To shift allegiances. We have partnered with things in life here. We should never have partnered before. And I'm not saying to you things that happen to you. That happens to all of us. But how you process this. Instead of capturing. You know it says in the Bible. To, to take captive those thoughts that come against you. And those people that hurt you. We cannot allow that hurt to become your identity. Because when that happens. You will go down the drain. You can't. It can't be that way. Because you get your own prison. And God is wanting to set us free and shift us into the freedom that Christ has given. Because it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Amen? And he wants to lift us from the old into his thing. The unshakable foundation. Unshakable, immovable, immortal, invincible. That is our God. That is what Jesus Christ is 
life. Come on, get ahead and say thank you in this house and praise Jesus in this house. You are amazing. He is the strong one. He is pure love. He is pure power. He is pure compassion. He is everything that you will ever need. Now, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 3, he talked about this. Make on the, on the screen right now. But the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. Interesting, isn't it? He's a builder, someone else now building on Paul. But each one of us should build with care, for, one, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Who says there's no rewards in heaven? There's absolutely rewards for how you live your life right now and how you, how, you, how you process the call of God and how you say yes to Jesus Christ in your life and you allow God to build your life and allow him to build something beautiful through your life. Amen? If what has been built survives the reward, if it burnt up, the builder will suffer loss but yet be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. We are all called to build. I am a builder. You are a builder. Come on, say it to yourself. I am a builder. Tell your neighbor, you also are a builder. And we build together. Now, I love this in the Passion Translation. Now, the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team, but each one will be rewarded for his own work. Isn't it amazing? So we are all on team God, right? We're all on team God, and all of us have some role to play, and nobody is better than the other, but we all serve in a different way. I love you serving you too. This morning, I love to serve with the Word. I serve you with the Word and the stuff we do during the week and whatever else. That's my, that's my role. You've got other roles to do. Some, some, some of you can make a lot of money, and so you, pay, you help pay the bills. More than other people do. Uh, some of you have just incredible compassion. It's like Stu. He's one of the guys here, you know, to kind of uh, to lead the, the whole pastoral team. Because you have such a compassion for people. Or whatever your role is, we all have a role to play in this place. Look at this. We are co-workers with God. And you are God's cultivated garden, the house that he is building. Isn't it beautiful? We are God's cultivated garden. The house that he is building. God has given me, Paul says, a unique gift as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterwards, another craftsman comes and builds on that. So builders, be aware. Let every builder do his work carefully and according to God's standards. For no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that already exists, which is Jesus Christ. We can no, not build any other foundation. He is the master. He is actually our cornerstone. He's actually, and there's a picture here of a cornerstone. I actually quite like this one because it shows the, um, it's like a cross, which is quite cute. He is our cornerstone, right? He is the one who lays. When, when somebody lays a, a new, new, new building, you put the cornerstone there, everything else is measured according to the cornerstone. It determines everything of that building, right? So Jesus is our cornerstone. He is our strong foundation. And we start building our lives on him. And then, of course, other people build their lives on us. Or the other way around is we actually help other people build their lives. My job is to help build your life. And I love doing that. And But actually all of us 
get to build other people's lives. We have all of us, our leaders, all of us influence somebody somewhere and we can influence and build their lives. So he's the cornerstone and we build our lives on him and the other people build our lives. So my question to you this morning is, what are you building? Or what do you allow God to build in and through you? That's a good question, right? Is it going to be like fire? Is like useless? You know, it's like, you know, is it like stuff? It's really it's not very important in life. Or will you allow God to use you in such a way that he's gifted you to build other people up, to serve the church and to see many people saved, see people's lives changed for eternity. Power the kingdom of God. Allow yourself to be used for eternal glory, eternal fruit. Amen? Because we are co-workers with God, verse 9. A cultivated garden, the house that he is building. So my question to you is then, how is your house looking? Or more, better, how is your garden looking? My talk today is, is gardens of love. What is your garden looking like? Because we are all building something. All building something. Are we showing healthy fruit? Are we showing healthy crop? Or are there weeds in your life? See, the garden will determine its kind. By the crop, you will know the seed. When you put grain into the ground, then you will get grain out of the ground. Amen? When you put a seed of an apple tree, an apple tree will come, an apple will come. So you know by the seed, you will, the fruit, you will know the seed. You will know the foundation in your life. So my question is, what is your life looking like? What is your garden, what does my garden look like? Amen? What is it built on? Not yet, bro. Take it down again. Too early. <laughs> what is your garden looking like? <laughs> I'll tell you something, it's very obvious to people around you what your life is built on. People can read you. That's why it's so good to be married. Because somebody can actually read you and very close to you and keep you honest. <laughs> Say, honey, your garden is not looking that great at the moment. There's a bit of weeds in there, darling. You know, in, in love, you know. But what, what's, what's growing? It's so obvious, it shows to people. I mean, I know people that are always in a bad mood. Every time you meet them, they're in a bad mood. They react in a bad mood. What on earth are you always in a bad mood? Somewhere you find out that somehow, they may be a Christian, but somehow in their lives they have somehow partnered with some disappointment somewhere. And the disappointment is still at the core of their being. It's that seed in their life. It's like this little weed in their lives. And somehow people smell this. And every time you talk to them, it's not like glorious and you feel like really much better when you, when you meet them. It's like, get over yourself, man. You know? Because there's something there that is really not very nice. Or you meet people who are very angry. They're always angry about everything. That often has to do with unmet expectations. You had expectations somewhere and somehow you got disappointed. You, know, you, not, you, were, you, you, you were appointed to something and it became disappointed about something. Some unmet expectation and somehow you let this stuff in your expectation fester in your life. And what happens then, it starts to be your paradigm. And so every time you meet somebody, you flare up. I used to have that a little bit. <laughs> Don't laugh. Go sit somewhere else. 
Go sit in the back. It's so hard when your wife and the kids are in the room, you know. That's why I love preaching all over the world. In other places, they don't know me. It's awesome. It's so much easier. <laughs> Angry. What about critical? I meet people that are so incredibly critical. And gossip. All the time. Gossip about people. All the time. Now, what I found out is often what happens with those kinds of people is they actually are called to the things that they're gossiping about or they're called to the thing they're always moaning about. It's not right, not right, not right. No, the reason why is because you may be called to that thing. What about changing your mind, changing your heart, and why you say, hey, can I serve in this area to help make it better? That'd be nice. I hear all this stuff even behind me, you know, Catherine, I'm murmuring. Well, I'm, I don't care so much anymore these days because I said, I said, I prayed, I said, Lord, take the people out of our church who don't belong in our church, who don't want to be here. It's not their paradigm. It's not their calling. Don't come because you just irritate the heck out of me. Because <laughs> you take so much of my time. You take so much of my energy and you don't even want to be here. You don't want to change. You don't want to give. You don't want to do anything. Why on earth will we have all our time? There's so many people out there that need to be saved, that need to be ministered to. Why on earth would I? So I said, honest talk. I said, Lord, bring the people who need to be here. We can build and take the people out. I'm not saying people who are broken. I'm not saying about that. that we, we always minister to broken people. We're all broken. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who know they shouldn't be here. They know that they're trying to be irritated because it's just, it's just not their vibe. They're just called to something else. Well, don't be here. Now, the other issue is also trust issues. Trust issues is one of the biggest issues in our life. Trust. And a, and, and a breakthrough, not a breakthrough. Yeah, you have to have a breakthrough in trust. But a and break. Of trust. Your trust was broken by somebody. That's one of the hardest ones to get over. I know that because in my own life. But it's one of the ones that a lot of people built their lives on. It's a really, really big deal. Now people come close to you. They actually can't close, come close to you. You're always suspicious and you're always in doubt because you don't trust anybody. A big deal. And somehow we have allowed this mistrust to become the paradigm of our lives right here. And everything is shaped by the mistrust. Could be mistrust of people, could be mistrust of God. I don't trust God anymore because of what happened in my life, really. And you st are stuck in this prison. God doesn't want you there. Actually, nobody wants you there. Actually, nobody, most people don't even care that you're there. But you think, I'm going to be here. Well, I suggest you get out of it. Get out of that prison. I invite you. I, I give you permission. Get out of it! Get out of your prison. Find counseling. Talk about people. That's fine. But the thing is, though, don't be stuck in here. Because, one, you'll be such a different smell, a bit of a smelly thing to people's lives that is not very nice. Your garden should smell beautiful. But you're not smelling very nice. And it's not helping anybody. It's not building anything. You don't give glory to God by that. Because God has got much better plans for you. And you will miss your purpose in life too. You'll never go for your destiny. So I suggest let go of these things. Let go of these things. These people become very isolated too. From little groups. Isolated. Away from people. Too scary. I tell you, live again. Trust again. Why don't you open your heart again? Some of you have said, I will never trust again. I will never open my heart again. I'll never be vulnerable again. Please don't do that. It's not God-like anyway. But the thing is, though, you'll be imprisoned in that thing. You, will, you were called to live a great life. Jesus has a great life for you. Yeah. Abundance. I'm not saying it's always easy, 
But if our life is built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, he will give us the joy, the strength, all this kind of stuff. And then he exchanges our weakness for his power. It's amazing. But we've got to go there, right? You can't just be sulking in this corner the rest of your life. And that's where I leave it, in a sense. The antidote is what? The antidote is love. The antidote for us is to so experience the love of God, the unconditional love and grace and acceptance of God in our lives so we can face all that rubbish that comes at us and, the, and it protects us from the dangers of this becoming our paradigm. We're going to stay in the love of Christ. And I say let's allow ourselves to be established in love again, then things will change. Because then you will be able to love your husband who was abusive to you for many, many years. Or he didn't even love you, or whatever. Or this, this, this employer, or whoever. This one who abused you. Whatever, betrays you. Jesus says to love your enemies. How does he do it? He does it because he lives in love. Because pure love looks like that. You can actually love your enemies because your identity is not in the power of somebody else's hands. They can do stuff to you. It doesn't mean you have to do stuff to them. Amen? And that's how Jesus lives. It's a real challenge for each one of us to be allowed to live this way. Amen? Catherine and I, we, we had some um, um, trust issues um, a while back. Um, what happened was we both loved Jesus and our lives are built on Christ. And that's, and that's wonderful. And hopefully we, 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 um, we shine our light a little bit uh, through that. I hope, hope we do. Um, but, but, but the thing is that what happened in my life, when I got married, I really loved my mommy. <laughs> Mama, I really love you. You know that I love you. I really love my mother. The thing is, though, when I left my home and was married to Catherine, she became my first love. I mean, first love is Jesus and then my wife. The problem is there was somebody else in our bed. Well, not really in our bed. It sounds terrible. In our marriage. <laughs> my mother was there, too. And my allegiance to my mother was very strong because she's an awesome woman and I love her very much. I love you, mom. The problem was that I would many times choose my mother, not my wife. And so in our marriage, we had real big problems because the big elephant in the room, you're not a big elephant, the big <laughs> elephant in my room was my mother. And my mother was, was there. And so I had just an unhealthy allegiance to my mother. I had to break it. I love her with all of my heart, but not in this way and not in this relationship. God's first covenant, then my covenant, my wife, and then, of course, my family, my mother. And so we went to counseling, went to a weekend to, uh, to Nelson. I've taught you about it before. And it was really good. And one of the things I had to do is I had to make her my bottom line. I've said this before with you, but it's one of the most powerful things you can ever do in your life. I said, Catherine, what I'm going to do, what I mean by that is what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you like me saying it, don't you? Again, it falls on love again. Get the goodies? No. Um, <laughs> that's only for the married people. Okay. So the thing is, though, I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to trust that what you say to me comes out of a place of love, that you actually want the best for me. And so when you speak to me, then I'm going to actually listen to you instead of just reacting or running to my mommy, which I actually did in the beginning. I said to her, what a horrible wife I've got. Serious, I literally did that. I went to my wife, called her on the phone, said, help me. 
terrible. I was so proud and so green and so mommy's boy. Anyway, to give my, my life to you, say, so I'm going to trust you. You're going to be my bottom line. And we're both to each other. And we declare this over our lives. And that broke something, didn't it? I mean, we love my mother. I love my mother. It's all great relationship, all fine. But the thing is, though, not in this way in our marriage. And so we have seen a change. Now, I suggest that whatever is going on in your life in this side, it could be a broken relationship, could be anything in your life, that you don't make this your bottom line. Because the things go up and down, relationships come and go, money comes and goes, goodness comes and goes, things come and go, right? In the storms of life, whatever is thrown at you. But here, we've got to make sure that Jesus becomes our bottom line all the time. That everything is through the lens of Jesus Christ. Everything is through the lens of his promises, his love for us, his goodness, and all this kind of stuff. And nothing is going to interfere with that. i tell you something. When you start living that, and when you have a marriage like that, it's going to be a good marriage. It's going to be a good relationship in your life. And I'm sure that I'm speaking to somebody here this morning. Amen? Yeah. Now, what happens, too, if when you start living from love, I found out, people start to trust you. Yeah. Now, I've not always been very good at because I like to talk, you know, and stuff. And I've not always been the great. Uh, even keeping confidences sometimes. I speak, I say, shut up, you can't say this kind of stuff. But I sometimes, I'm so honest that I just, whatever. And so, so I had to really learn, particularly in this job, I can't just, you know, I can't do that. So I had to learn to be quiet and to keep things in, t- and you know what I mean? To, to, to uh, honor, what did I say just now? That's right, confidentiality. The thing is though, what I found though, is when I make mistakes, when I actually love people, and I love all of you, then actually it's amazing how much allowance is made for me. Now, I know that Catherine cleans up behind me. I get that. <laughs> I, I get that. And she tells me all the time, this is, you know, the people, that's fine. But the thing is, though, I still know that love covers a multitude of sins. And a multitude of... When I love, when I don't come out of some kind of anger thing or some bad mood thing or some kind of reacting things, but if I honestly come out of a place of love and I want to stay there, then I know that my mistakes... It's okay. There's grace for my mistakes. And I find that even in our marriage, there's grace for my mistakes, grace for Catherine's mistakes. And I love living like this because this actually empowers our lives and builds our lives together. We cannot allow the storms of life to anchor us. You can't do it. We do it, don't we? The things that happen to us, okay, I'm going to stay here. Throw out your anchor, I'm going to live right here. It's not going to work. It's not going to work if you want to have a great life. It can't be your mojo. It can't be your way like this. There's only one true foundation, and it's Jesus Christ. And the wonderful thing about him is he never changes. My wife sometimes has moods. Your husband or wife, your friend, your mother, your father, your kids, we all have moods and stuff like that. We're up and down all the time. But the thing is, though, he never changes. Now, the wonderful thing is he actually lives in you if you're a Christian. So we can live our, we can build our lives on him very powerfully. He is absolutely blimmin' awesome. Right? We'll be disappointed by something or someone. They will. It will come. Eventually things will come. People are fickle. They really are. You try this job. Honestly, I had to learn this to do this. Otherwise, I could not do this job. The people pain would be too big. Because not everybody lives here, sadly. And we're learning, but not everybody lives here. And I'm encouraging you that we all live here because we actually will get along much better. And you'll be an amazing person wherever you work, wherever you go, whoever you're with. You'll be an absolutely amazing person. So I suggest we become persons of love. Build on the unconditional love of God. Three things. Why? Anchored in the pure love of the Father. Built on Christ, the solid rock. 
and established in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I tell you, when we do that, you will start to have a beautiful garden in your life. Your garden will look a bit like this, like we had before. <laughs> It'll be a beautiful garden that looks a bit like this. It'll become lush, colorful, beautiful. Is there another one? Another garden? Maybe some of the veggies, veggie garden. See, like this. Veggies. Can't see it very clear, but it's good. It's beautiful. Your garden of life, your life produces stuff. It will feed people. It will nourish people. It will build other people up. You look beautiful. But I tell you, if we go here and let the weeds of life impact your life, this will happen. Look at this. I actually found this online. It's not somebody in the church. It's not acting. It's actually a person. Not very happy, is he? She's not very happy. I tell you, if you let the weeds of life go over you, it's not a beautiful garden at all. And your garden will not be beautiful because you will show the weeds and you'll smell like weed. <laughs> you'll smell like weed. You'll be and you'll be stuck and you'll be helpless. There's no way out. Come on, you won't be happy at all. And you need a big weed, weed whacker. I hear this go, weed whacker or weed cutter and start cutting some of the weeds out of your life. The things have been tearing you down, overgrown too much. Hey, you didn't take captive those thoughts and this thought now rules your life. Yeah. And I suggest get rid of it. Yeah. It doesn't belong in your life. If it doesn't belong in Jesus Christ's life, if he doesn't say this about you or over you, then don't. Partner with it anymore because it's not going to help you at all. And some of you need to start over again. Maybe start over again. So get this weed cutter and just take everything out. <laughs> and maybe all of us, maybe some of us, I think it's all of us, need to reestablish ourselves in the love of Christ. Because that love is really amazing, you know. I use this at every wedding. Because God's love, it's patient. It is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. The big one, it keeps no records of wrong. Let's all say it together. It keeps no records of wrong. I tell you, if we live this way, it would be amazing. That's living here, though. That's what Jesus does with you. He paid the price. He keeps no record of your wrong. There's not going to be a video at the end of your life or when we come to Jesus. Look at this video. Oh, oh. There's no video. He erased it all. Come on, he erased it all in our lives. This is amazing. <laughs> Keep no record of wrong. Long love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. The truth, it always... Trust. But I have these trust issues. Oh. Always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Let's say it together. Love never fails. 
When you live in this life here, you don't live a life of love. You let this thing, other thing than love determine your mojo. You can't have it. You've got to go on Christ. Christ is the solid rock of our foundation. He is pure love, unconditional love, and we're going to build our lives on him. And this will be the fruit of your life. And your garden will look like this. So I say God wants us to grow into gardens of love. I know it sounds very mushy, and, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I suggest not only individually become gardens of love so people around you just feel love and they've been built up. I suggest as a church we become a foundation and a garden of love. And anybody who comes into this building, or anybody who comes in touch with you, wherever you are, wherever you're ministering, wherever your life group is, whatever we have, together we'll, we'll become just a love. Man, I feel so accepted with the people. And to the world. To the world. They need to feel loved. They need to feel accepted. They need to go that the goodness of God is our paradigm, not judgment. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. It leads to change. Let's be a people of goodness and the love of God in our lives. It's so beautiful. So God is building lush gardens in our lives, building our lives on the solid rock, shifting us from a foundation of this kind of stuff, of compromise, into a foundation on himself, the source of all life, a tower of strength for our lives, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and established in perfect love. Let's stand together. Established in perfect love. I want to finish with a um, powerful psalm of David. And, and the language that he speaks really amazing because he was really like almost like a New Testament person already. It's like this bridge. It's like this amazing prototype. Of the, and you see here what he does here. Beautiful in the Passion Translation. This is a psalm of David and we're going to get excited at the end of it. I'm going to speak this to you and we're going to see what God does because it's so powerful. Psalm 18. What a God you are. Your path for me has been perfect. All your promises have proven true. What a secure shelter for all those who turn to hide themselves in you. You are the wraparound God who gives grace to me. Could there be any other God like you? You are the only God to be worshipped. And look at this. For there is not a more secure foundation to build my life upon than you. Come on, let's say this all together. For there is not a more secure foundation to build my life upon than you. This is David speaking, Old Testament. You have wrapped me in your power and now you've shared with me your perfection. Sounds very New Testament, doesn't it? Through you I ascend to the highest peaks of your glory to stand in the heavenly places. Interesting. Heavenly place, strong and secure in you. You've trained me with the weapons of warfare worship. Now I'll descend into battle with power to chase and conquer my foes. We've got to get rid of some foes here. They've kind of entered into your life some weeds and we're going to get rid of those weeds. You empower me for victory with your wraparound presence. Your power within me. What do you mean within me? The powers of in him, even in those days. Wow, interesting. Power within me. He was not born again, let's say it that way. Power within me. Makes me, make me strong to subdue. And by stooping down in gentleness, you strengthened me and you made me great. You set me free from captivity and now I'm standing complete, ready to fight some more. Are any of you ready to fight some more and not be stuck in this place, whatever your weeds are? We all have them. 
I suggest today we get rid of those weeds and we take captive those thoughts and those emotions and we say, I'm no longer going to partner with these things, but I'm going to be set free. I'm going to build my life on the strong foundation, Jesus Christ. And those things, the storms of life, yes, they come and they go, but I am not going to be shaken because I am, my foot are standing on the solid rock, Jesus Christ, unshakable, unbreakable. He's awesome.